the sun standing still, an incredible event to say the least. This is more than an awesome story. It is a picture of how our faith and God work hand in hand to accomplish great things. Join us and our lead pastor, Brian Lane, as we continue our series, Sun Stand Still, as we explore Joshua chapter 10. Like as a church, we really need ourselves and our ministries and who we are to go to the next level because God has called us to the next level. God has called this church to the next level. God has something greater and more powerful in store, but we have to be willing to step up, grab hold of faith, and move forward with what God wants. And so what I did last week was I turned to the events in Old Testament in the book of Joshua where Joshua asked for the sun to stand still and he answered that prayer. And we pulled two things out of the text last week uh, that uh, serve as foundational to seeing God move in the way that he did for Joshua. And so before we explore uh, what we're going to look at today, uh, let's, let's review a little bit of last week. And what we did was we defined faith last week, first of all. Uh, there's too many thoughts that go through people's minds when they hate, when they Say, when people say the word faith. faith. Faith, a lot of people think is a blind leap, but it's not a blind leap into something despite all evidence. It's not, um, it's not anything that just means blindly or ignoring or doing anything, but it's taking God. If God has said something, if God has spoken something, if he has given a promise, it's about stepping out into that promise with the confidence and the assurance that God is going to do what he says he is going to do. That's what faith is. And I said, last week I said, listen, and if we don't have the confidence to step out into something that God has promised us, the creator of the universe, then we've got some real issues and struggles because we should be able to confidently come and stand and step out when God says something is going to happen and take place. And so that's where we started with our definition of faith. And then in our text, what we looked at last week, we, the first thing was is that in order to see God move in our lives, uh, like, we did, like we saw him in that event, and really, in all things, we got to really trust what he says, as I just said. God spoke clearly. He made a promise on more than one occasion that Joshua and the Israelites were going to defeat the enemies, that they were going to march through the land and take that land. And so Joshua, in going out onto the battlefield and standing there and saying, sun stand still, was not walking out there, blindly ignoring the fact that the earth was in rotation and moving around, and, and there was nothing really that could stop that, but he was going out there knowing the promise of God that they were going to win the battle. And so he stepped out there and he said, sun stand still, because he knew that that needed to take place in order for the Israelites to win the battle. But he, God doesn't just do cool stuff because we ask him to do cool stuff, okay? And it wasn't like he got out there and, and uh, said, Joshua said, man, you know what would be really cool right now? If God kind of showed off and just kind of made the sun stand still for 24 hours. You know, that's not what went down. This was an integral piece. This was an integral part of him winning the battle, of the Israelites winning the battle, is that the sun had to stand still. And so that's what took place. So in order for see God for us to see God move in our lives, we need to do what Joshua did. We need to take God at his word, believe his promises, and then expect that those things are going to happen. Then the second thing we saw last week is that it's important for us to understand that even though God has promised the Israelites victory, they still had to fight the battle. 
See, we get a lot of confusion because we believe that as long as we just do what God says and head out there, that everything's just going to fall into place. Everything's just going to go wonderful. We're not going to have to fight any battles. We're not going to have to get into any conflicts. We just got to go out there and God's just going to make it happen and then it's over. But that's not how it works. In order for us to follow God in faith, We're going to have to step out and step into the battles. The Israelites got into a real fight, a real war, where people died, where blood was shed, where bad things happened. And that's the same thing with us when we step out in faith. Whenever we step out in faith in life, God is going to bring us into a battle. But we have to be willing to move forward in the battle. We have to be willing to move forward and fight. Because if we just get up to the fight, if we get up to the battle, we say, man, I don't know about this whole battle thing, and just say, "Uh, God, if you were real, I wouldn't have to fight this thing, and we lay down our sword and walk away. We really don't believe in God, and we're never going to see God's promises happen in our life if we are not willing to go through the battle. The battle is part of the process that allows us to see God's promises and to see God's word fulfilled. And when we quit on the battle, we are never going to get the outcome that we want, that we're looking for, or see God move in faith. And so that was last week. And so we're going to continue on today and look at several other components that are necessary for us to uh, see great things done by God. And to start off, let's talk about asking for big things. How many of you have asked for big things in your life? Yeah? How many of you, when you were a kid, and Christmas time came, and you were putting together your Christmas list, you went for big things on your Christmas list? Did anybody do that? I hope some of you did. Man, I would go for big things all the time. And I would just usually add them to my list, because my thought was this, okay, mom and dad we're kind of struggling financially. I mean, there was four kids in the house, and, um, and it, it just, things were tight when I was a kid. And so going and asking for big things at Christmas time was a big deal to my parents because they had so many kids to buy Christmas t- presents for, and there wasn't that much money to go around. And so there was always a fear at Christmas time when you would put anything on, big on the list. And the assumption was made, at least by me, that if I put something big and expensive on the list, that what, was, what do you think the answer was going to be to that one? No, yeah, that, mom and dad were going to say no. And I mean, it, it kind of felt that way. Why? Because every time I would go to them and ask for something big, they would say no. But they wouldn't just say no. Okay, how many of you have mom and dads like this? When, you, when, they, when, they, when they say no, they just got to get mad when they say no. No, man, why are you even asking a question like that? Come on. Okay? I mean, that was kind of the way we would get the no. And I know that it wasn't because they were mad at us, but it's just a frustration from them in that they weren't able to get this thing that we really wanted and were asking for. Well, I've shared this story before, but there was one Christmas that, uh, that this new video game system had come out, and I just wanted this video game system. It was the ColecoVision, and it was the next step up from the Atari 5200, which was the original, the one that everybody had. And here was the deal. I did not have the Atari 5200 because my mom and dad couldn't afford the Atari 5200. But now this ColecoVision had come out, and guess what? It was more expensive than the Atari 5200. But I needed this. Why did I need this? Because all of my friends had the other one, and I needed to show them up, okay? I needed to have the best that was out there. 
And so I wrote it on my list. But it wasn't just writing it on my list. I then went to them before I gave them the list and explained why this item was on here and how important this item was to my life and for them to purchase said item. I thought the answer would be no, but I continued to speak and speak and speak to them. And that was the Christmas that I got this gift as a surprise under the tree that I didn't expect. And so with that, let's head back to our text this morning. We're going to be in the uh, uh, Joshua chapter 10 once again. We're going to read verses 5 through 14. Uh, Joshua's sixth book in the Old Testament, if you're unable to find it, uh, it'll be on the screen behind me. This is what it says. It says, In the five kings of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish, and Eglon, joined forces. They moved up with all their troops and took up positions against Gibeon and attacked it. Uh, The Gibeonites then sent word to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal, do not abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us. Help us because all the Amorite kings are from the hill country, all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hands. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. The Lord threw them into confusion fusion before Israel, so Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road going up to Beth Haran and cut them down all the way to Azekah and Makeda as they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Haran to Azekah. The Lord hurled large hailstones down on them, and more of them died from hail than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and your moon over the valley of Ejelon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped and the na- uh, na- until the nation avenged itself on its enemies, as it is written in the book of Jashar. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There's never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. All right, so Joshua, he stood out in the battlefield and commanded the sun to stand still. He prayed for it to stand still, and it did. That is our key and the next piece of the puzzle to seeing God move in faith. Actually asking for it. And I know you're saying, yeah, duh. Okay, we know we're supposed to ask for it. But the deal is, is that when many of us, I think, go and ask for God to do something, like make the sun stand still, what generally happens? It doesn't, does it? We don't walk out onto the battlefield and say, God, sun, stand still. Boom, there it is. More of the time, we get out onto the battlefield and we say, sun, stand still, and it just keeps on going, right? And so it leads us to a place where, like I was with my parents, where we just get to the point where we don't even ask God anymore. Why? Because we already expect that we're going to get the answer, no. And so we don't ask. There's no anticipation. There's no confidence and assurance that God is there and hears us. But unfortunately, that is the foundation to faith. That's the foundation to seeing God move. Joshua didn't step out on the battlefield and say, well, I would pray for the sun to stand still, 
but God, he just doesn't listen to me, and so maybe somebody else should do it. Is there a pastor we can get to come out here and pray? Because they're more holy, and God listens to them. See, the men and women who receive stuff from God don't let other times in their life where they've heard no when they've asked for the sun to stand still stop them from getting out onto the battlefield and saying once again, God, make the sun stand still. They continue to ask God for big things and have the confidence that he's going to say yes this next time. They ask, they speak boldly for God to move and work in a situation. Because here's the deal. Sometimes it may take us more than just one ask to see God move. It may actually take us asking over and 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 over again. But see, that's what God is actually looking for when it comes to prayer. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8 says this, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. And see, when you read this in English, it just sounds like you just have to ask one time. But that is not, this is a bad translation of what this is actually saying. See, this text, this portion of Scripture is in what they call the present active tense. And what that means is it's an event that is happening now that continues into the future. And so a more correct translation of this verse would be something like this. Ask and keep on asking and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking and you will find Knock and keep on knocking, and the door will be opened. For everyone who continually asks receives, and the one who continually seeks finds, and the one who continually knocks, the door will be opened. Prayer and going to God in faith is not a one and done sort of deal. It's not something that we just step out there and do it. Yes, there are times, like with the toys that I told you about at the beginning, there are times that we go to God and we pray, and all of a sudden, bam, there it is, one and done. The deal happens, and it's all good and wonderful, but so much more of the time. It's about us going and asking and knocking and speaking over and over and over again. And when the answer doesn't come, what do we do? We keep on asking. We don't stop. Because God has told us in his word, we are holding on to what God has said, and so we are going to keep on praying. We are going to keep on knocking, knowing that at some point, an answer is going to come for us. Now that brings with it problems. What's the problems? Sometimes we pray and pray and pray, and nothing happens, right? And when that happens, it shakes us and it causes us to doubt things. We doubt that God loves us or cares about us. We doubt that we are Christians or we think that our faith is not strong enough or good enough and it's our fault that nothing happens. I've had many conversations with people who follow Jesus who've come to me and said, man, man, my my cousin, my uncle, my friend, my brother, they would have been healed from that disease, but I just didn't have enough faith when I was praying for them. If I would have had enough faith, if I would have believed God more, if I would have just trusted God more, they would have been healed. Can I tell you, that's not how it works. See, we misuse verses like James 1, 6, and 7 when it says, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea born in, um, born in, uh, uh, 
blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable. People will key in on the line that says a person should not expect to receive anything from God without faith and think that the reason that they are not receiving is because their faith is weak. So let's explore a little bit about faith. How much faith does it take for God to work? Well, Jesus tells us a story in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, and in it he says this. He replied, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. All right, so let's give this a test here. I've got a mustard seed in my, hand, my finger right here. How many of you can see that? Willie, you can't see it. Don't even lie to me. Why can't you see it? I mean, I can see it. Is that really small? No, it's not small, is it? Come on. No, see, that's what this verse is telling us, right? You don't need to have faith the size of a tomato. More of you can see that. You don't need to have faith the size of this cantaloupe. I think almost all of us can see that. You don't need to have faith the size of a watermelon, okay? And because I couldn't get a real elephant in here, You don't even need to have faith the size of an elephant. See, God says, if you have faith the size of that mustard seed that none of us could see, he can work. He can move. So praying and not having something happen is not because you do not have enough faith. If you can muster this little speck right here, you have enough to get, or enough faith to go before God and ask. Now I know that this, where's my helpers, guys? Come on. Okay, good. All right. Now I know there are times where God still doesn't, still doesn't answer the question of, I prayed and nothing happened. There's a couple of things that we have to come to grips with, okay? First of all, no is an answer. Okay? No is an answer. And there are times that we have to deal with the fact that God will say no. God has a plan. God's plan is moving forward. And sometimes what we are asking for does not work in the greater, the grander scheme of things. And I know we think to ourselves, well, that's kind of lame. But that's how it is. Sometimes when we ask for things, when, we look, when God looks at the bigger picture of what he's trying to accomplish, that piece does not fit into the bigger picture. Just like the sun standing still, there must have been a reason God needed the sun to stand still for this victory to take place. Well, sometimes when we ask for things, God says, you know what? You know, I love you, I care about you, but here's the deal. That is not in the bigger picture of things. We have to trust in the, uh, in the promises of God, like in Jeremiah 29, 11, where he says, I have a hope for you and a future. 
He's got great things in store for you and we have to have confidence and insurance in that because that is where our faith comes in. And if our, if our answer is, well, if God doesn't answer the, prayer, the prayers that I pray the way I want them to, then I don't believe in him, then our faith is not in the right place in the first place. Our faith is in ourselves and not in God. And then the second thing I want to say um, has to do with healing because this is one that throws many people for a loop. We need to know that God does not heal everyone of their illnesses, at least in the way that we want him to. Some of you will say, well, you know, I read in the Bible, does, it doesn't it say that God will heal of all, all of our diseases? I mean, that's a promise. Why isn't that fulfilled? It, uh, it does say that, and so we have to answer the question, what does that mean? What does healing mean? We have to understand what our disease is in the first place. Yes, there's diabetes. Yes, there's cancer. Yes, there's congestive heart failure. There's lupus. And we could sit here and list diseases from now until we were ready to go home and we wouldn't hit them all. But where do all of those diseases have their root and foundation in? They all are found in sin. See, disease has racked our bodies, destroyed our minds, and destroyed our world, but it's not because God just said, disease, go have fun and destroy everything you want. It's because mankind disobeyed God, rebelled against him, introduced sin into the world because mankind wanted to do things their own way, and all of this crap is a result of our disobedience. And so God, if we, if we really wanted him to heal sin, guess what? He'd have to get rid of us. And that's not part of his plan. So instead, he came up with another plan. And that plan is he's going to destroy these bodies that are racked with sin and give us new bodies. The best part is when we receive those new bodies, all of the sickness and disease we had in those old bodies will be gone and never return. Why? Because the new bodies are not corrupted by sin and not susceptible to all that destroys this body. That means we will all be healed of whatever disease we have in our bodies and we will never have to battle and face them again when we receive those new bodies, when these bodies die and we transition from this earth to living with God. And some of you I know are thinking, well, that's kind of a cop-out. You can't prove that, so it's easy to say. You're right, I can't prove it. However, this is what God has promised us, and so if you're a person of faith, you have to have the confidence and assurance in what God promised and not what we think or feel based upon what would make us happy, and we trust it. And really, we have to put this lifetime into perspective because we base way too much of our decisions and the things that we do on this lifetime. And so to illustrate this, guys, if you want to grab that end, that end, just pull it forward and stretch it out here. Okay, so what is this you're saying? I'm not saying it's dangerous to be in the church, but what this is, is this represents from when we were born to when we die to when we transition into our new bodies and to where we spend all eternity in the presence of God. And if we were to continue down this side and go past Hunter, this would continue on infinitely off in time. So let me ask you this question. If we were to take this line here and ask the question, how much of this line represents our life here on this earth? How many of you would say, okay, 
This is all eternity. About half of this represents my life here on earth. Now that's a little too much. All right, how about a quarter of this represents my life here on earth? Now what would represent our life here on earth? Let's go down to this edge and take this little tiny scrap of red right here. This compared to all of this. And here's what we do though. We take this little piece, this little scrap that's our life, and we put so much weight on this little piece right here. And we completely forget about this little piece right here. We say to ourselves, man, I've had to live on this little piece here with sickness and disease. And God, I've prayed to him and asked him to do something. And he has done absolutely nothing for me. He's such a jerk. Okay, He's given you this with pain and disease. He's given you this without any sort of sickness ever coming into your body. Which would you prefer? Because if you waste this right here, you're going to end up with this body in a spot you don't want to end up with eternally separated from God. And you're going to miss out on a whole lot and your time when you leave this earth and get that new body that's disease-free is going to be far worse than whatever you experienced right here. Thanks, guys. You can put that down. Eden, if you could come back up. Eden and Isaac. See, what's going on now is fairly insignificant. And although it feels like a long period of time, although it feels like something that's never going to end, it's going to come to an end. And the significance of that little piece Compared to this, where's Eden? Okay. To that with this is not even worth comparing. Because let's think about healing, right? If we believe that the promise was for God to heal us and that little scrap, there's a problem. What's the problem? Every single day that we are alive, we inch closer and closer and closer to death. If God was going to completely heal our bodies, guess what? We would never die. We would never die. Our bodies are breaking down. Our bodies are failing. So sickness in this time, should not shake our faith. Because our healing is coming, it's going to be complete, as long as we have the faith to trust God and believe what he says. And so this morning, there's maybe some of you in this room who have given up on asking God, You've given up on the idea of faith because you've asked and you haven't seen God do what you wanted him to do. Maybe you wanted to be healed. A family member wanted to be healed. There was a situation or circumstance that you needed God to move and work in. You asked for God to, for the sun to stand still in an area of life 
and nothing happened. This morning, I would challenge you to spend some time in the presence of God and allow him to show you that what we're facing right now compared to eternity is nothing. It's small, it's insignificant. And so we're gonna worship for a few minutes. I'll be down here to pray for anyone who would like prayer. If you need to take some time with God, the front of the room is open. I'm down here to pray. You can pray in your seat. Let's just take a couple of minutes and meet with God this morning. Thank you for joining us on the FAM Church podcast. FAM Church is here to connect people to Christ. If you live in or are visiting the Lakeland, Florida area, we would love for you to join us on Sundays at 1030 a.m. You can also check us out online at myfamchurch.com. Thank you again and have an amazing day.